Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you called us out of the darkness into the light of your incredible love. And Lord, for those of us who, who know Jesus, it's been a wonderful blessing and it continues to be. And we know that we don't deserve it, but you called us and we're grateful. We're grateful that you got a hold of our lives and you saved us, and indeed, how could we want more? Lord, we thank you that not only do you save us, but you're sanctifying us every day, that you're, you're growing us by your word. And uh, we're just grateful to come and to read your word again and to study your word. Lord, I would ask today that, that anywhere where, where I get in the way, would you move me out of the way? But Lord, if you would, uh, speak through me. Uh, to your people, that they might hear your word and understand your word, and most importantly, apply your word to their daily living. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, I'm reading from John uh, chapter 10, and if you, uh, if you have a Bible with you, you probably notice that it has a, a heading, most of them, at the beginning of John 10 that says, I am the good shepherd. But before we get to Jesus as the good shepherd, uh, we, we come to the phrase where Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep, or your translation may say the gate of the sheep. So that's what we're going to look at uh, first this morning. John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only uh, to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Well, John 10 is a much-loved chapter of Scripture with its imagery of the sheepfold and and Jesus as the good shepherd. But the imagery is more complex than we might at first imagine. And so I need to define some terms this morning as we enter into this text. First, what does Jesus have in mind when he talks about the sheepfold? Well, there were two common types of sheepfolds in Jesus' day. There was uh, what we might call a town enclosure, uh, the the kind in towns and villages. It was typically a a, a room, or it was a more substantial pen or enclosure with, with a gate or a door. Into such enclosures, numerous shepherds would drive their sheep when they returned at night after grazing all day. The next morning, each shepherd would, would come to the sheepfold and he would call out his sheep and lead them back out to pasture. Because the sheep recognized their shepherd's voice, they would follow him and they would follow only him. And then there was the type of sheepfold that I described with the, with the young people. It was the type of sheepfold used out in the countryside. Uh, This one was pretty crude. As I said, it had little more than than rocks piled around the sheep. And there was no door, so again, the shepherd would lay there at the opening, protecting the sheep. Uh, When the angel appeared to the shepherds at Jesus' birth, they were likely tending this kind of sheepfold out in the countryside. So which type is Jesus referring to in John 10? Well, some of you have probably already figured it out. He's referring to both. In the first part, verses 1 to 6, where Jesus says sheep will not follow a stranger because they don't know his voice, he's likely had in mind the village or the town enclosure where, where multiple flocks were kept and a shepherd would come and, and call out his own flock, his own sheep. Whereas in verses 7 to 10, our focus today Jesus probably had in mind this countryside enclosure where he is the door or the gate. Keep that in mind uh, as we move along. We also need to determine who, is, who Jesus is referring to as thieves and robbers in verses uh, 1 and 8 and 10. First of all, Jesus seems to intentionally use two words, thieves and robbers. What's interesting, the word for thieves is the, Hebrew, the Greek word Kleptes, from which we get our word kleptomaniac. A thief is one who here steals by cunning or by stealth. Whereas the other word, robber, is the Greek word lestes, and it refers to to one who steals by violence. So we might think of a thief as maybe something more like like a shoplifter, whereas a robber is one who, who might rob a bank at gunpoint. It's a, it's a more violent approach. But in John 10, who, who's Jesus talking about? Who are these thieves and robbers? Well, in the immediate context, Jesus has just healed a man who was blind, but he healed him on the Sabbath. 
And the Pharisees were not very happy about that. They confronted him for healing on the Sabbath. Further in verse 8, Jesus refers to the thieves and robbers as those who have come before him. So in the immediate context, he seems to be talking about the Pharisees as thieves and robbers. But I think in the larger context, we should think about thieves and robbers as the work of Satan. He is certainly the one in verse 10 who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And think about it. Satan uses both cunning, like he did in the Garden of Eden, but he also violently robs people of life. Satan is both a thief and a robber. Okay, one more term we must define before we look at the, Jesus as the gate. The gatekeeper in verse 3, to him the gatekeeper opens. The reference here is to a village-type enclosure. And a village enclosure had a gatekeeper or a porter who stayed with the sheep at night. The shepherds would check their sheep in, and then the porter or the gatekeeper would stay overnight while the shepherd got some sleep. The next morning, the gatekeeper would only open the gate for those shepherds who had checked sheep in the night before. And since it's the gatekeeper in verse 3 who opens the door for the shepherd who is Jesus, the gatekeeper may well refer to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts people and calls people and opens the way for them to enter by Jesus. Now, with those terms defined, I want to turn to verses 7 to 10. Uh, and then next week, we'll, we'll go back to verses 1 to 6 because we'll need those uh, when we look at the Good Shepherd. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, he says again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. There's a lot going on here in this image of Jesus as the door. And I'm sorry about so much definitions and context, but you have to understand it really to understand this text. First of all, remember here, Jesus is referring to a countryside type enclosure. And again, they were typically a series of rocks, a circle or a square of rocks with only one entryway. And the shepherd would lie over that entryway. If such an enclosure, folks, had more than one entryway, it just was useless. It had to only have the one gateway. Therefore, when Jesus says, I am the door, he is making an exclusive statement. He is saying what he will later make even more explicit in John chapter 14, that no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus is consistent throughout all these I am statements, folks. He always uses the definite article, the. Jesus is not saying, I am a bread of life, or a light of the world, or a door, or a good shepherd, or a resurrection in life, or, or a truth in life and way, or a vine. No, he's saying consistently, I am the door. 
I am the good shepherd. He doesn't just know the truth. He is the truth. He's not, he isn't just one way of salvation. He is the way of salvation. And that's exclusive, but Jesus can make this statement because he's fully man and fully God. Only another man could pay the penalty for our sin and our brokenness. But such a man had to be perfect, and only God is perfect. So Jesus is God incarnate. He's God in the flesh who, died, who lived our life and died our death, the death we deserve. Therefore, He is the only way. He's the door. He, he's the only entryway to God and to salvation. Yes, that is exclusive. But there's a lot of grace in this text as well. Verse 9 says, If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Salvation is available to all who will trust in Jesus. God is no respecter of persons. No one is excluded because of education or race or social position or anything else you want to name. Yes, I know passages like John 6, teach that no one can come to the Father to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. So certainly God has to make the first move. The Holy Spirit must call us. The Holy Spirit must regenerate us. And Jesus is the one calling here who's saying, I am the door, I am the gate. But here's the point. Anyone he calls, anyone who will enter will be saved. Jesus doesn't call us, beloved, because we're the best of the best. He doesn't call you and I because we've got so much to offer. He doesn't call you and I because we're more pious than most. No, we're all sheep. We've all gone astray. We're all lost. He calls us because of His grace and His love. And He saves anyone who will enter by Him. So Jesus is the only door by which anyone may enter into salvation. And then, and then anyone who enters will be saved. But then there's a, an obvious point, but we want to make sure we don't miss it. You got to enter. You've got to enter. You and I must personally trust in Christ. We must choose to believe that He is the only way to the Father, that He's the door of the sheepfold of God. You know, I believe. James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary rightly makes much over the fact that Jesus calls himself the door of the sheep. Boyce writes, if Jesus had compared himself to a wall we should have to climb over, well, it might be too hard a work. If he compared himself to a long, dark passageway, we should have to fill along it. Well, we might be afraid to try. But he's not a wall. He's not a passageway. He is the door. And the door can be entered into easily 
and instantly. If we haven't already, you and I can enter that door this very moment as we believe in and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And for those of you who might be listening today and you've never entered into that door, you may be listening online and you've never entered into that door, or maybe for those of us who have already entered, and maybe we just haven't thought for a long time about the benefits, about the blessings that are ours, I want to share them again. Just in case you've never heard them. Just in case you, you haven't really thought about them in a while and given glory to God in a while for the blessings He's given you. One obvious benefit is Jesus says, for everyone who enters, everyone who enters through Him will be saved. There's no maybe. There's no might. There's no, I could get around to it. Those who enter through Jesus will be saved. When we enter through Jesus, we immediately escape sin's penalty. We're immediately made right with God. We call that justification. But we also enter into a process and a way of life in which we're being increasingly delivered from sin's power. And we call that sanctification. And finally and ultimately, we're saved for a day when we will pass into life eternal and even the presence of sin will not exist anymore and our salvation will be perfected. And we call that glorification. When we enter God's sheepfold by Jesus, we're saved, beloved, in every way. We are justified. We are being sanctified. And one day you and I will be glorified. Second, Jesus promises safety for those who enter through him. Verse 9 says again that we'll go in and out. That's speaking of safety. In that day in which Jesus walked upon the earth, for a person to be able to go in and out without fear meant that his country or her country was at peace. It meant that the rulers of that day had things pretty well under control and they could go in and out in safety. Jesus is saying, I'm the door. Not only do you come in through me, not only do you enter the kingdom through me, but I'm across that doorway and no enemy is going to get through. My sheep, he says, are protected and safe. Jesus is saying, I've got you. I've got you. That doesn't mean this life will be absent of hardships. But as the great hymn sings, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And He's preserving us. He's preserving His saints, those who are saved, to enter into His kingdom. We're in His kingdom already. It's begun, but we'll be in it for all eternity. The world may throw a lot at us, and it certainly has in the last couple years. But if we've entered through Jesus, if we've trusted in Him, He's got us. And He will bring us safely to His kingdom. He will bring us safely home for all eternity. 
And I don't know about you, but for me, that has been incredibly good news for the time in which we live, that Jesus has us. He's not letting us go. Finally, in verse 9, Jesus promises that you and I will be satisfied. He says we'll go in and out and we'll find pasture. If you've ever raised sheep or, or even cows, uh, you know that if they have good pasture, if they have good pasture, they're far less likely to roam. I, I used to hate almost this time of year because our neighbors had some beautiful small grain that came up uh, in, in the spring and summer, and it was so green. It, it looked so good. They had about a three-acre field down below us, and then below that they had about another five-acre field that they planted corn in. And, of course, the corner of our pasture came right there, that field. And you know what happened if you've ever had cows, don't you, Jack? And it seemed to happen on Sunday mornings. We were chasing cows uh, on Sunday mornings. They weren't satisfied. They saw that green and they wanted some of it. And Jesus is saying to us, folks, there's no need to roam. I'm the one who makes you lie down in green pastures. I'm the one who gives you the satisfaction you, you so seek after. He's telling us what, what the Apostle Paul will echo later on in Philippians 4.9, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's not a promise of our every desire. It's a promise of our needs. It's not our greeds, but our needs. In Jesus, we find pasture. In Jesus, you and I find the satisfaction we seek. Salvation, safety, satisfaction are ours when we enter through the door who is Christ Jesus our Lord. And I just want to say today, I know sometimes people get tired of hearing this, but don't want to miss opportunities. If, if you've never entered that door, if you've never entered that door, I urge you to do so this very day. There's only one door. But the door that is Jesus is open to all He's calling. It's open because of His grace and because of His love. But you must choose to enter it. You must choose, so please do so. If you've already entered that door this morning, folks, I would urge you to rest in the salvation and the safety and the satisfaction of our Lord and Savior. In the salvation and safety and satisfaction of being in His sheepfold. You know, maybe what some of you need to hear the most this morning is Jesus saying to you, yes, I know. This world's gone crazy, hasn't it? I know that. But I've got you. I've got you. I promise I do. You're saved. You're safe. Lie down and rest in the satisfaction of my sheepfold, says Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You for being the door of the sheepfold.
If we've already trusted in you, we're so grateful for salvation and safety and satisfaction that can, that can only come in you. And Lord, again, if there's one listening this morning who has never entered into the sheepfold by Jesus, I just pray that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that even now as, as they're listening, that they're trusting in you as Savior and Lord. And Lord, as we go out today, remind us again and again of your incredible love. Remind us of your mercy in Jesus. None of us are worthy. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. But you and your mercy have gathered us in by laying our iniquity upon Jesus. Oh Lord, we're grateful that on the cross he carried the, the weight and the burden of our sin. On the cross, he received the punishment we deserve. So, Lord, we're grateful. I can't even find the, the right words to express our gratitude. So, Lord, we'll praise you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Jesus' name, amen.